Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the NFL Week 10 Fantasy Flex on the Action Network podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs. With me is Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is our director of predictive analytics and one of the top in-season fantasy football rankers for the past half decade. And Chris is a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network and a co-host of the Action Network show on Sirius XM Fantasy Radio. And joining us for, I believe, his first time on the show is Patrick Gardy, a.k.a. Rotopat, an NFL writer for Roto World and NBC Sports, and I should say a blurb artist of the highest order. Uh, Rotopat, how is week nine for you? What caught your eye? Another week in the books. Uh, is it already kind of the time of season where, uh, you know, we all love football, but we're kind of like, uh, you know, season starting to feel kind of long. Um, that's me in week two. I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, that's just yeah. what it is. Well, come on, maybe the, uh, the amazing play of Mitchell Trubisky, Sam Darnold, and Daniel Jones. Uh, does that count? Devin Singletary finally taking control of the Bills' backfield. You know, how long had we been waiting for that? Uh, probably would have happened sooner if not for had missed weeks three for through five with his hamstring injury, uh, a team that, you know, needs more playmaking ability badly. Uh, it seems like a pretty easy adjustment for the Bills to make to stick with Devin Singletary as the lead back going forward. Maybe Damian Williams reemerging in Kansas City too. Uh, you know, I thought maybe he had an opening with the shady fumble in week eight. I thought Damian had an opening. I certainly seemed to take it. A 91-yard touchdown is a good way to seize the day. And I think I'll probably keep Damian ahead of – well, I know I'll keep Damian ahead of the Sean McCoy for week nine. All right, well, you mentioned rankings, uh, which naturally leads me to uh, something I wanted to talk about. Sean, Chris, right now, uh, thanks to another top 10 performance last week, Raybon is number one in the Fantasy Pros Ranking Contest. Yeah, Ahead four- of Sean? That's, that's nuts. Yeah, I know. Well, Sean's, <laughs> Sean's number 11. Not a yeah. Odds maker, first of all, what, what's happening with you? And then second of all, what are the odds that Raybon finishes the year ranked higher than you? I mean, he's crushing it. I'm happy for him. Uh, he has like a 50 point lead over me so that's going to be tough to catch up so you know mad props Raybon but this is the time of year usually the second half is when I gain steam and it's pretty tight up there so uh, I'm hoping you know I break the top five but Raybon's killing it uh keep it up Raybon and no pressure I know how it feels Uh, you probably probably haven't felt it yet but I mean it's real now you you got a pretty big lead don't change it up just keep doing what you're doing that's my advice because you're just killing it man yeah once you get into the uh, double digit weeks that's where the pressure really starts exactly Uh, exactly Raybon what do you think the odds are that you will uh, finish ahead of odds maker I don't know man I was thinking like what are the odds that we finish one and two that that's the interesting one yeah, I like, like thinking about that a lot that, better than me versus you. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't like, that just That just sounds like a jinx anyway, any answer either of us give. You guys okay. are going to be like a dominant Tour de France team or, uh, or you know, like an F1 racing or whatever. Who's going to start drafting for who? You know, you have to decide in the stretch run who's going to get the winner. Well, I, I wish I drafted whatever you call it, NASCAR Raybon on that Tyler Lockett, number one wide receiver rank last week. That would have been nice to have been part of that. Um, I had him number seven. So, uh, but yeah, th- things like that, that's where Raybon really has an edge over the field. He's pretty bold with things like that. 
and nailed it with uh, Lockett. So that was huge for him last week. Well, I'm clearly drafting off of both of you guys. Uh, after an abysmal start to the year, uh, I, I literally was one of the lowest rankers for the first two weeks of the season. It was horrible. <laughs> uh, I've clawed my way back to number 39. So everyone in the top 20, okay. I'm, I'm coming for you. As the weather gets colder, I get better. Uh, I got uh, to interject really quick. I yeah. don't miss the fantasy pros pressure. Roto World no longer participates. I was kind of sad. Um, I got in the top 10 my first two years, but then the the competition got a lot fiercer, and I'm like a I'm like a by hand ranker. Like I don't have my own projections. I don't have my own models, so I go through it like basically by hand. I would say like player by player, and I had kind of settled into like the top thirty range, which I was still happy with. But yeah, I would just say even I was just sick with stress about it, and I kind of don't envy. Uh, I feel like my rankings are just better now because um, uh, I'm not. Uh, I don't know if they. I don't know if they actually are or not, but I don't miss the stress and. Uh, uh, good luck to you guys down the stretch. Well, I mean, let's let's talk about this because I think there actually is a, a pretty legit difference between doing rankings for uh, the benefit of fantasy users and doing rankings for a contest against other people who are trying to win against, let's say, like 140 other rankers. You know, like, I mean, there's there's correlation between the two things, but there is a difference. Like, for instance, Raybon going with Tyler Lockett, number one. On the one hand, like, he might have thought that that's actually where Lockett belonged like from a contest perspective on the other hand it's also a great move because he has leverage on the entire field because no one else was putting Lockett number one so if Lockett does hit then he just smashes that week and, and that's what happened I'm gonna be totally honest with you guys like as much of like a, a game theorist as I am at you know most things that never crossed my mind and that really doesn't cross my mind like I just really shut as I've up been climbing up, no no I swear no no no, no. <laughs> I, I just not for nothing. Like I just really started understanding even how the accuracy is scored. Like in these last couple of weeks, because I, I, be honest, I never did. Uh. Like so, I do my initial projections and I look at my model and it's Tyler Lockett is ranked high and I'm like, yeah, I should probably lower him. My model's just like somebody's got to get all these yards and touchdowns from Russell Wilson. Like that, that's really all it came down to. Like I, I he actually was number one in my model. I didn't. Uh, adjust him up or do anything like or it wasn't a game 30 play it was just really the the Seahawks uh, receivers popping uh, in my model all right well let's move on from the Raybon celebration parade and get into <laughs> week 10 uh, let's start with the quarterback position the players at the top of our rankings right now which uh, you can find at actionnetwork.com slash fantasy uh, those three players are Lamar Jackson Patrick Mahomes and Jameis Winston Sir Rotopaz uh, I know it's early in the week so you might not have uh, your your projections or your uh, your rankings kind of slotted in yet but uh, Jackson Mahomes Winston does that seem like a reasonable top three to you is there anyone else that you would kind of put in there it does seem like the reasonable time. I've, I've got my initial ranks done, so I'm not like totally in the wilderness. I kind of in my head before I really dug into it, I was like in the idea of uh, planting a flag and having Mahomes back at number one immediately. I do have Lamar Jackson right now. I just, it's hard to see how he doesn't detonate the Bengals. I mean, A, on the ground, and then B, you know, kind of strug- not struggling, but not uh, flashing as much as a passer the past few weeks. Now he faces a team with a you know, horribly banged up secondary, a, a defense that was really, really um, going into the dumps for the bye. And even if he doesn't pat, maybe the, maybe the Ravens just totally dominate uh, game flow against the teams who have a quarterback making his first career start in Ryan Finley, and he gets to run a lot too. So I just, 
there's so many paths for Lamar to kind of number one overall this week that I give him the edge over Mahomes. We'll be, you know, we don't know quite for sure what his health will be like. He is going on the road. Uh, Malcolm Butler is out. Uh, I don't even, is that even good or bad at this point? Uh, Malcolm Butler's out to the Titans. Um, I think I'm going to stick with Lamar at number one. Yeah, and I mean, to your point about Lamar, number one, uh, when he decimated the Bengals in week six, he did that without Marquise Brown, uh, who, you know, presumably, uh, you know, will be back going against that banged up secondary. So a uh, good situation for him. Um, who else are you relatively high on this week? I mean, it's got to be Kyler, right? It's all about Andy Isabella, finally unleashed, finally freed. He should have been a top 10 receiver. I've got Andy Isabella in the top 10, obviously, this week. <laughs> Um, no, I've got, I'm going to have him probably like 55 or 60, probably like 60. Raymond had Tyler Lockett ranked number one last week because Russell Wilson facing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And now we've got Kyler Murray facing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming off. It was just a good start all around, even for the 88 yard touchdown against the best defense, the NFC. And now we got a dream spot for Kyler Murray. It was a huge dud from Christian Kirk last week, but Christian Kirk is healthy. Kyler is the one I've got maybe the first time all year I had him outside of the top 12 last week. And now I've got him back in like round eight or nine. Kyler is one of the guys who's popping in the fantasy labs models and Raymond, you are high on him. What are your thoughts there? Tampa Bay is, it's not only that they're a bad pass defense that, that lacks talent, but they're a pass funnel. Like they're yes. the number, they're a top three defense against the run. And so it sets up really well for Kyler to just, you know, and, and that scheme to just kind of throw it all around the yard. Uh, it could be a shootout. You know, the Bucks have kind of been getting into those things. The only thing you worry about is, there's always Jameis Winston and, and the potential for him to turn the ball over and take a drive away from the offense because the defense houses it. But <laughs> absence of that, uh, I think you're looking at a high floor, high ceiling week for Kyler. I actually have him number three, which I believe is a, a spot or two uh, above consensus right now. I'm going, I'm going breeze above uh, Winston as well. I just think the turnover potential for Winston, uh, it always knocks him. It leaves me a little it's bit always, It's always in the back of your head. head. Well, yeah, you, you just got to be a little more conservative with him because, you know, those interceptions start adding up. Um, and also, this is this seems like one of those weeks where, I mean, Patrick Peterson coming off a couple of uh, embarrassing games. You know, Mike Evans went off two weeks in a row. They probably do all they can to take him out. You know, it's tough when you're relying on Brashad Perriman to, like, live or die. We'll see if O.J. Howard can have a flowchart game. But either way, I, both of these quarterbacks are top five for me this week, but love Kyler. All right, Sean, you are on uh, or relatively high on Daniel Jones this week. What do you see with him? Daniel Jones is uh, my top QB streamer this week. You know, with six teams on by, uh, he gets uh, a pretty big boost from that. So he's my QB nine or 10 right now. He had kind of a dud last night with the three turnovers, but um, he's correlated pretty well with, um, you know, the quality of defense he's facing. So this week against the Jets, it's a great matchup. So I think he'll uh, do well. They've allowed now back-to-back games of 280 yards touchdowns uh, to Gardner Minshew and now Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, so I think I'll have a good week and, you know, he's likely getting Sterling Shepard back this week. So, um, you know, he'll have all his targets, uh, at full health. Um, we'll see about Evan Ingram's foot injury. I think he should be fine, but, um, I, I just like Daniel Jones situation this week and willing to overlook the three turnovers, uh, last night, just because, you know, we saw that rushing ability. Uh, I think he had 54 yards, um, with him. That's always the sneaky upside, but I think he'll put it all together this week. Could have more of a ceiling game, um, against the Jets. One guy I'm relatively high on is Brian Hoyer, and I'm yes. assuming, obviously, that uh, he starts uh, Jacoby Brissett uh, maybe off for a week or so. Um, but, you know, Hoyer at home going against a Miami Dolphins secondary, which is playing like literally third and fourth stringers back there at, at this point in the season. Even without, you know, T.Y. Hilton and, and Paris Campbell, there's still enough talent there on that team, and the Dolphins are so talent deficient that uh, I think Hoyer, in a, a week with six teams on by, that he can uh, still do enough for people who are kind of 
of in a quarterback jam. Uh, Pat, who is someone uh, you are relatively low on? You know, it's like the truly dark time of the fantasy. Imagine if you had told yourself last Monday on the podcast the following week, you'd be talking about Brian Hoyer. Or or the beginning of the season, Brian Hoyer is the Colts quarterback. And you're like, wait, Andrew Luck gets injured? (laughs) August 10th, you find out you're streaming uh, Colts number three quarterback. I don't know if I'm relatively low on this guy. I mean, where does Sam Darnold uh, rank to these days? Because, you know, he's, he's going to have one good matchup after another down the stretch. Uh, the Giants, another good one. But, like, I feel like at this point, Sam Darnold, like, there are no good matchups for Sam Darnold. Like, he's the good matchup for, like, the struggling defenses. Um, so I actually don't know what the consensus rank on Sam Darnold is this week, but I've got him. Even with six teams on by, I have him in the 20s, not in the teens. I just, it's just a situation I'm staying away from at this point. And, which is a real shame. I mean, he should be uh, like a plug-and-play guy in all these amazing matchups, and it's just uh, a bad situation. And then I don't. Another guy. I'm not sure. I'd be interested to hear you guys' thoughts of I mean, where are we ranking Jared Goff this week? I've got Jared. Even with the six teams I'm by, I currently have Jared Goff outside the top twelve because I mean, we know about Road Goff. We know Brandon Cooks probably not playing. Uh, we know Steelers have quietly emerged as one of the best defenses in in real life and in fantasy. And, you know, road-tripping West Coast team. They are coming off their bye, thankfully, so that can maybe be a nice little edge for Jared Goff. But I, I would like to find a way to get Jared Goff into the top 12, but I don't, I don't think I'm going to. We yeah, all have him right now, yeah, on, on the edge, like uh, top 10 top, or number 10, number 11. Like that's – Okay, like, so yeah, I am. Yeah, but we're on the cusp. I don't think it's a situation where any of us are really high on him. It's just we're not putting him outside of the uh, the top 12 just yet. That's probably smart. I might uh, end up adjusting on that. Like I, I, I could see myself flipping like Sean's because I have Jones at 12 and then Tannehill and Garoppolo. I could see at least Garoppolo and probably Jones too. Uh, Sean made some good points there. I could probably see myself flipping them because the Steelers defense, that's been one of my favorite teams to bet on. Um, I think people uh, underrate their defense, so it's really good. Yeah, Gabby, when I heard – I have currently have Daniel Jones very low, 16. And when I heard uh, Sean talking, I'm like, well, those are pretty solid points. <laughs> <laughs> the the manual, the manual bump up. Oh. All right, Sean, uh, Pat had mentioned that he was thinking about putting Mahomes number one. You have Mahomes all the way down at number five right now. Can you uh, talk about – what it is that uh, you are thinking. Yeah, so I'm a little bit cautious on him this week. We mentioned earlier, it's, it's a tougher matchup on the road. For DFS, I'm fully fading him at 7K. Let's just throw that out there. But, you know, season long, you're obviously plugging him in. Just wouldn't expect a ceiling game quite yet. The good thing is he, he might have been able to overcome this nagging ankle injury with this knee injury. So I think long-term this could help him out. Uh, but I think this week he might be a little cautious, stay in the pocket a little bit more and, you know, uh, well, I bumped down his rushing projection to five yards. We don't really rely on that. But, you know, his ability to escape the pocket and, you know, extend the play and hit Terry Hill deep, we might not see that version of Mahomes this week. So um, we might get a more conservative game plan. Jameis Winston against Arizona and Drew Brees, like they have great matchups. So just right now, I think Mahomes is just, you know, he's a fringe top three guy. And, you know, next week um, he, he might return to my number one rank. But this week, I'm just being a little cautious with him. So right now, yeah, he's my QB5. I'm fine right. with Breeze, but, man, you're, that, like, that just sounds like a death wish. Like Winston over Mahomes. Winston, like, yeah. like, <laughs> like he, he gets benched <laughs> in, like, the second quarter. Like. I mean, we're talking GBPs here. If people ask me, um, you know, sit-start decision in their um, season-long league, I'll probably say go with the higher floor with Mahomes. That, that's sort of the difference um, when we're talking about rankings and projections. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, Winston always has that that low floor that you want to avoid. 
um, in head-to-head or cash games even. So, yeah, good point. All right, uh, Rayvon, you have Stafford ranked number 18. I have him ranked number nine. Tell me why I am wrong. Matthew Stafford, you know, bunch of good matchups back to back to back. Uh, okay, with the exception of the Minnesota matchup, which he did crush, so I'll give him that. But this just, to me, you know, you can't base your, your you know, you still got to go with the projections. And uh, Chicago's a, one of the, a top 10 pass defense. Uh, they don't give up much to wide receivers, which has been how Stafford's been living. You know, they've only given up three touchdowns all season to wide receivers. And so if they can limit, you know, Detroit to the outside the numbers, and, you know, it's going to be tougher for Stafford to put up, you know, 300 yards, two, three touchdowns. And on top of that, it's in Chicago. Uh, the over-under is 42. We know that uh, implied team point totals correlate very strongly or, you know, relative to other stats and metrics. Uh, to, to quarterback production. And so just for all those reasons, uh, I think there's like, he, I, he wouldn't be a guy I'm looking to start this week. Uh, I'll put it that way. Like there's other, there's other guys, uh, 17 right. other guys, <laughs> 17 <laughs> other guys. That, that's a, that's a high number for, uh, for week 10. Uh, Man, I've got a number 10, by the way. Um, I would say maybe one thing where maybe this alliance, Chris, what about the Lions just not having a running game anymore? That's uh, not ide- – I mean, okay, like that – I I get it. But that's not ideal against a good defense. That just means you can't pick up first downs and you have to punt. Like, it, like yeah. he played Oakland. Like, Oakland hey. was a dream matchup. Uh, who, who do you play? The Giants' dream matchup. So, I think, like, now it's kind of the balance of adjusting for his strength of schedule at this point in the season when he's had, like, these, these three – these two or three dream matchups in the last two, three weeks. Um, but yeah, I think the, the median expectation for him should definitely be in the teens. I have a quick sister question for the uh, top in-season ranker this year. Um, <laughs> would you start Matthew Stafford or Brian Hoyer this week? Where do I? Or I think I would. <laughs> let's see. Ah, that's like a toss-up. I think I am going with twentieth. Yeah. So Stafford. <laughs> okay. Stafford. I mean, like I was low on Darnold sure. last week too. Like I, I think the Colts run the ball a ton against Miami. I don't. I don't necessarily like they don't have much to to, to throw with at this point. Like Brian Hoyer throwing to not Ty Hilton. Uh, Paris Campbell got hurt. I mean, it's it's rough out there. I guess I'm sorry I keep digressing, but last week I had Darnold really. I had him QB 18 last week. I had just already decided there were no good matchups for Darnold. And then when the Jets like stormed down the field for that opening drive touchdown, I was like, well, kill me now. Uh, But thankfully he ended up bailing me out. All right, uh, Sean, it is time to uh, get your quarterback prop. Uh, By the way, each week we uh, go through this prop exercise to, uh, you know, quote unquote, help Sean uh, sharpen his lines and also kind of to uh, get in the, uh, the prop mindset everyone should be sure to check out the fantasy labs props tool which uh since last year uh has a 62 percent win rate for the uh the props that we give a bet quality of 10 sean hit us with your quarterback prop so let's go with uh lamar jackson uh his his dk point over under this week against the Bengals. i mean he is by far my top quarterback this week after he he basically proved he's matchup proof last week um he gets a great matchup against the Bengals this week so I'm curious. you're really selling it sean you're i mean really, selling really it. curious how high <laughs> yeah. i can set this line yeah um so right now i have uh, i'm going to set the line at 25 even over pound the over he got i think like 33 in week six against the Bengals. yeah, yeah 152 rushing yards will do that 
Yeah. I mean, he, he uh, went off against the Pats, like you said. I think that's all I needed to see. He, like, <laughs> <laughs> he's averaging 27.7 per game, and he's going against one of the decidedly worst defenses in the league. Um, I mean, the one thing you can say about him is that he's going to be on the road, which, I mean, that, that's a negative historically for quarterbacks and for him specifically, but I don't think it's that big of a negative. Uh, with Lamar Jackson, it's, it's always the over now. It's only <laughs> overs. No such thing as the under anymore with Lamar. Over. Let's get into the running backs. The guys at the top of our rankings, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook, Sir Rotopat. Uh, is there another running back that you would put in there in the top three? No, no. And especially McCaffrey, number one. Yeah, it's so hard. When guys having a season like Dalvin Cook, like it's so hard not to have Dalvin Cook number one, but I mean, he's just still an order of magnitude below McCaffrey. He was now facing a Packers run defense that is just getting exploded now on a weekly basis. And uh, I wouldn't consider Zeke in play for number one. I would put Zeke maybe in the top three just because it's at home and it's not a great matchup for, for Cook. I, I have Cook too. But I think Zeke right now, the Giants offense is just, they haven't had everyone healthy all at once for a while. Uh, we don't know Sterling Shepard's status. We, he mentioned earlier Evan Ingram, probably going to play, but now it's an injury. And just like the Giants' offense overall lack of rhythm, I think sometimes it's hurting Saquon, where I'm kind of almost viewing him more as like uh, not automatic top three right now. But the matchup is so good. Um, so I, I don't object to having Saquon in there. But to me, CMC, Cook, the clear-cut top two. And then I, I don't see myself moving off Zeke as the RB3 this week, mm-hmm. actually. All right, so uh, who else are you relatively high on in your rankings? Oh, boy. Um, does Melvin Gordon count? I mean, I don't even want to say – I feel like point chasing uh, with Melvin Gordon, but uh, the Raiders are better against the run than the pass, but the Raiders still overall one of the most talentless defenses, defenses in the league. John Gruden openly complaining about his lack of linebackers. Uh, I think it's a good week. Short week, too. Uh, even against a bad pass defense, the Chargers are probably going to hashtag establish it. And I, I think it's probably a good week to chase points. I, I don't know if it's chasing points with Melvin Gordon. But uh, a good week to get Melvin Gordon kind of back closer to where you think he should be, which is, would be in the top 18 for sure most weeks. And then, you know, a lot of the other – Devin Singletary, of course, who we think has taken control of the Bills' backfield – a Ronald Jones, who appeared to take control of the Bucks backfield, and Bruce Arians said had taken control of the Bucks backfield. It's another guy I've got a lot higher than I'd had in recent weeks. And then, you know, this one's very dark, but uh, Kalen Balaj, I guess. Uh, you know, Mark Walton now suspended. Uh, the Dolphins' backup was Miles Gaskin, I, I guess. Uh, Sean, Pat mentioned Devin Singletary, Ronald Jones. I believe you are high on those guys as well. Yeah, Ronald Jones, especially on DK, I think he's uh, 4,300 right now. That seems, you know, who knows what we could believe, but I think at that price we can just assume he's the lead back now. Plus, this is a game script where I think they'll try to run the ball, minimize, you know, the possibility of Winston turning it over and uh, a game they should win. Uh, but, yeah, Devin Singletary, I mean, it's pretty clear if you look at the underlying data, um, he's he's pretty much the, the starter now because um, we've seen back-to-back games of 66% of the snaps. Um, and that was a, a game where they lost by 18 and a game they won by 15. So we've seen both game scripts where he's the lead back. So that's that's really good news. And also, um, I believe it was the second quarter, Frank Gore ran into a wall three straight times on the goal line. Oh. So they, they actually gave Singletary <laughs> the next goal line carry in the fourth quarter and he converted a uh, two-yard touchdown. So we can add potential you know goal line back to the list. So he's 
he's very much the lead back on the Bills, unless you uh, take out Josh Allen and that. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's he's the lead back now. The the underlying metrics support it. So at five K um, against the Browns, who have uh, they've given up um, some pretty big games on the ground lately. So I think he's a great play at five K this week. Raybon, who do you like? David Montgomery, uh, Chicago has been leaning on the run game a lot more lately. And if you look at the Detroit Lions, uh, every week they've given up uh, at least 14.6 PPR points to a running back. And in all but one game, they've given up 20 plus. And Montgomery, not only uh, has he started to get uh, a lot more usage over these past couple games, but his his target share starting to creep up toward that 10% mark, which you want to see it at least at. Uh, for a running back that you're going to kind of consider in the top 20. So uh, I think Montgomery at at 5.1K, home favorite uh, against the Lions, a team that they're going to want to kind of take the air out of the ball against after, you know, how how much success Stafford's been having. Uh, I think it's a good spot for him. The Bears, in actions and words, have said they no longer have any faith in Mitchell Trubisky and that they are now all aboard the established train, and it's going to be David Montgomery down the stretch. Absolutely. All right, Pat, who are you relatively low on this week? I guess I'm believing in LaShawn McCoy kind of being banished. I didn't like this one, but maybe Jamal Williams, which feels like what's the reverse inverse of point chasey? Like I feel like maybe punishing Jamal Williams a little too much for his quiet. You see Raymond this jump in on Jamal. Talk me out of fading like, Jamal Williams. Like this guy plays like half the snaps. Like, every, like the I same know, upside we see for Aaron Jones. Like Jamal Williams has it. Uh, everyone keeps asking me, like, whether they should bench Jamal. It's like, I mean, this Packers offense is very running back-centric at this point. And you saw what happened, like, you know, when they tried to throw the ball. It didn't work. Jones had a bad game. Williams has been pretty consistent. Like, I think like, it just it doesn't feel good because he's, like, the number two back. But I think it's a much different situation than McCoy, who played six snaps and got and ran two routes last Well, is, yeah. Go no, ahead. you go, Matt. You go, Matt. All right, well, here's kind of the interesting thing. Uh, Sean, uh, on the outline, it, it says that you are relatively down on Jamal Williams. Do you have anything to say to the guy who currently leads the Fantasy Pros ranking contest? <laughs> oh, man. Got a milk yeah, us, huh? um, So, so I, I had a bit of a rant last week how when, it, when I, you know, say buy low on a player, it doesn't mean it's all or nothing that week. You know, it could take two or three weeks for that to, to pan out. And last week um, I was, you know, saying sell high on Jamal Williams. And of course he scores a touchdown on, I think he had like seven touches. So I'm sticking with him this week. It's, it's more of my um, sell high theory on him where, yeah, he's playing, uh, you know, roughly, you know, 40 to 50% of the snaps, but he's just not seeing as many touches um, as you'd want, to, you know, for him to at least keep this up. So he's benefited a lot from touchdowns uh, lately. So I just think, you know, one of these weeks when he doesn't score, it could be this week, you're going to be holding the bag on, you know, like a 30 to 40 yard game. And I'm just saying, you know, at 5,200, I just don't think he's worth that. Um, in season long leagues with, you know, six teams on a bye, I, I view him as more of a, a good flex play. And, you know, you want him on your team because if Aaron Jones ever goes down, you know, he's a potential RB1. But I just think that, you know, I think it's uh, five touchdowns last four games and he's averaging 8.5 touches. So I just don't see this being sustainable. So I'm just I'm just saying sell high if you can, um, if you have him in season long. Yeah, for me, it's just kind of a touch hedge this week. The Panthers do allow a lot more fantasy points on the ground than through the air. But like you mentioned, he's been very touchdown reliant and his, his hot streak basically came while Devontae Adams was out. And, you know, the Packers receiver core was just in total disarray. Now Devontae's back. Um, Alan Lazard maybe kind of emerging from the pack behind Devontae. So I just think maybe with uh, the, the, the Packers target uh, 
totem pole, so to speak, kind of becoming more settled. That hurts Jamal Williams too. But yeah, he's clearly just going to score two touchdowns this week. So <laughs> we're kind of donkeys. So. Yeah. I mean, if you take him, if you take out, because he played one game where he got popped in the in the helmet. Uh, I think it was a primetime game, and he he left after like a, like one or two snaps. Yeah, it was you, Thursday night football. Yeah, if you factor that out, I mean, it's not a big discrepancy in the usage in terms of like. Like the, I feel like the, the touches regress to the snaps more than the other way around. So Jones to me would be seem to be more the guy due to regress because he was getting all these like you know six seven eight catch games with Devontae Adams out. Um, he you know he last week he got what was it, eight carries for thirty yards on fifty nine percent of the snaps, and Williams played forty six, got eight opportunities as well. So I mean, it's you know it, it's really a toss up, but I mean. I'd almost look at it the opposite where you could get Williams a lot cheaper and you could get a lot more for Jones. Clearly you are relatively high on Jamal Williams, starting him number one overall in the fantasy <laughs> pros this week. Who are you relatively uh, low on? Who are you low on? Ah, uh, man. I mean, uh, Pat took t- the guy I was going to mention, but LaShawn McCoy, I just don't – like, again, he played – Well, I didn't say anything about him, so you, you fill us in on why we are fading him. <laughs> because he played six snaps last week. And he, like, I, I mean, he could come through and play, you know – uh, 75% of the snaps next week, but you just don't want to really get involved in a, in a backfield like this. Also, Tennessee kind of sets up as a, in theory at least, as a pass funnel. Now, Andy Reid does love to, to pass the ball, and Tennessee is top three uh, in run D- VOA and uh, bottom 20 in pass D- VOA. All right, Sean, give us the running back prop. So I've been waiting for this prop for 10 weeks now. Uh, let's do it. Cream Hunt, total rushing plus receiving yards this week. Um, at home against the Bills. Um, I have it right now at 41 and a half. I'll take the under. I think there's some offensive ineptitude that comes into this anyway. And then uh, Nick Chubb is a guy that is just kind of dominating right now. Um, First game back, they might want to kind of like ease him in a little bit. I don't think it's a bad line, but I'll take the under. I'm actually – I was going to go under, but I just thought about it. And like you say it all the time, Friedman – coaches don't always act rational. And if there's one coach I think could act irrationally and just completely give Kareem Hunt way more snaps than he deserves at the expense of Nick Chubb, it's Freddie Kitchen. So give me the over. Fair enough. I'm going to take the under just because Chubb has been the, the lone. He's like the definition of lone bright spot for the Browns. But I was thinking the same, same thing Raybon was saying. This is like a truly desperate team. You know, Freddie Kitchen's like a cornered animal at head coach basically. And I could see him taking a desperate action of, you know, kind of randomly featuring Kareem Hunt. So that would be in the back of my mind if I were actually putting money on this. But I'll stay conservative and take the under and just bet on Freddie Kitchens being rational and continuing to feature his lone bright spot, even though, again, he's probably just going to go crazy and not do that. All right, Sean. So I guess that means that's probably a pretty good line that you set there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Ultimately, this this is how much will impact uh, Nick Chubb. So – Uh, Yeah, great answers, and yeah, I I agree with basically what you guys said. Joining us to talk some DFS is Peter Jennings, a.k.a. CSURAM88, a two-time DFS world champion and co-founder at Fantasy Labs. Pete, week nine, how was it for you? Week nine went really well. I wish I had more of my cash game stuff and big tournaments, but uh, the chalk hit, and that worked out for me. All right, week 10, how are you approaching cash games and GPPs? It's probably my favorite week of the year uh, with all the matchups that we have. I think there's a ton of directions you can go uh, with a couple of plays that are just really high equity. Um, we'll see. I think you can build just the teams that you think are best because there's so many great options. All right. Let's start doing that. A quarterback who has caught your eye. 
I'm going to be looking to three guys uh, specifically. I'm looking at Lamar Jackson, who I think is the highest equity play uh, going on the road to Cincinnati, who's been a dumpster fire. Even at 7,300 on DraftKings, I think he makes a ton of sense given his rushing upside and floor. Love Jameis Winston versus the Cardinals. And I also like Drew Brees quite a bit against the Falcons. So three really strong options, uh, all of which you have to pay up for. Not a surprise. As we are uh, recording this, I am writing the quarterback breakdown. And those are the three guys who are really standing out in our models at Fantasy Labs at running back. Uh, Who do you like this week? Well, the most important thing is going to be this New York Jet situation. We're recording this here on Tuesday. So tough to know uh, what's going to happen with Le'Veon Bell. But uh, if he's out, that's going to open up a lot of value uh, monitoring Ty Montgomery, who also got hurt as well. So a lot to, to monitor there. But Outside of that, that situation, uh, Saquon Barkley is at the top. Uh, I think I want to spend down. So I'm looking to some other options. Kareem Hunt's min-priced coming back. I know it's a tough matchup, but that's interesting to me. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I like Devin Singletary quite a bit, who I think is a really, really strong play. Uh, Alvin Kamara, I think, makes a ton of sense uh, at 8,200. There's going to be very little recency bias uh, on Alvin Kamara. In fact, none coming off a bye as well as an injury. So I think he'll be under-owned relative to where he should be, and Atlanta's been so bad. So I want to get to Alvin Kamara, and we'll see what happens with James Conner. Jalen Samuels would be another chalky option. And my favorite running back on the slate is Marlon Mack, paired with the Colts defense. Uh, This is a dream matchup against this Miami Dolphins team. All right, wide receiver, who do you got? So wide receiver, you're going to be looking for some value. Uh, The clear chalk at the top is, is easy. you got Michael Thomas, and then you have both Tampa Bay receivers for Sarah and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. If you need to save, I think Jarvis Landry is still a little too cheap. Both Carolina receivers are still interesting to me, uh, and DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. And then I also like Adam Humphreys as a cheap play uh, at 3,500 going against the Chiefs if you need to, you know, super savings, uh, as well as some other mid-tier guys like Tyler Boyd, Allen Robinson, even Corey Davis I think is a strong play this week. Okay, tight end, who who are you looking at? (laughs) Well, uh, Travis Kelsey, I think, is a really strong option, especially if Mahomes comes back. Uh, we'll see about Michael Gusecki as well. He's the cheap option that's popping in the models right now. Had a really big game last week, and with Preston Williams out for the year with an ACL, you assume some of the targets are going to flow his way. Austin Hooper coming off a bye is another good play. And then the tournament option that has burned everyone all year and has burned me in a big way uh, in every format is O.J. Howard. But going against the Arizona Cardinals who have been one of the worst teams versus the tight end all year is another option that I'm really excited about. Yeah, total uh, flow chart game there for O.J. Howard. Uh, final question here. You mentioned Marlon Mack and uh, the Colts as a potential stack. Any other stacks have your eye? Uh, kind of like off-the-radar stacks. Yeah, so Jameis Winston to O.J. Howard is probably my favorite stack of the week. I mean, everyone's going to pair Jameis with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, which – Makes sense. Even with O.J. Howard, if you're going to play Jameis in tournaments, you'll have to pick one of those two. But I really love this stack, and I've been wrong all year, so I certainly don't go overweight on it. But O.J. Howard, if he can't get it done in this spot, it's officially done, but I'm really hopeful uh, that he can do well against this Cardinals team, and I think he'll get that stack at really low ownership. All right, that was Peter Jennings with his DFS thoughts for Week 10. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. 
All right, let's get to the wide receivers. Pat, the guys we have at the top of our rankings right now, Michael Thomas uh, going against the Atlanta Falcons, uh, Michael Thomas at home, and then you have, uh, I mean, I think maybe the most dominant wide receiver duo we've had uh, in at least a decade, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin at home going against the Cardinals. Who would you put in the top three if not those three guys? I think I would include Tyree Kill in there with Patrick Mahomes coming back. And against this, yeah, Titans, uh, did, you, did you say the Titans were coming past funnel uh, earlier? Uh, did I hear that correctly? Yeah. Um, yeah, which would kind of have been my just feel without diving too deeply into the numbers this weekend, especially now with Malcolm Butler out. But as Tyreek uh, stayed afloat with Matt Moore, uh, he's finally getting his, like, his sea legs underneath him for the season. You know, he missed so much time, and now he's getting back his nuclear weapon quarterback. Uh, where I, could, I definitely think Tyreek belongs up there. I wish we could put Julio Jones up there. I guess we just can't with the in disarray Falcons against Marshawn Lattimore on the road. I kind of wish we could almost put Cooper Cup in the mix too, but that just doesn't seem wise against the Steelers with road golf. But yeah, to me, Thomas, Tyreek, and Evans are the top three this week. All right. Who else are you relatively high on? The 49ers were so desperate for a number one receiver. And Emmanuel Sanders probably shouldn't be your number one receiver, but I mean, he's now clearly 49ers number one receiver. And I think that's going to be a weekly thing. Them funneling 10 to 12 targets to him. They were just so desperate to settle that receiver core. Um, a game that could be, uh, I don't even know if it's sneaky. I mean, it could be a shootout. Uh, we don't think of facing the 49ers as a shootout game. I could definitely see this kind of turning into a shootout. And it's, I just don't think it's point chasey with Emmanuel. I'm going to have Emmanuel Sanders in the top 18 this week. Um, do I, I don't know if I want to get eggs, but I mean, Sammy Watkins, a Titans defense that's becoming more and more vulnerable to pass, and Patrick Mahomes coming back, six teams on by. I know for sure I'm going to have Sammy Watkins in the top 30, maybe in the 24 uh, to 28 range. And the, I, another guy where I'm not quite sure what to do on, but someone has to catch passes. I'll say uh, Zach Paschal. I'll have, probably have as a wide receiver three in the top 36. Um, so those, those are the guys who kind of first came to mind. Yeah, and I think uh, all of us are, are roughly there with you, uh, you know, in line with those, uh, those three guys. Uh, Sean, who are you relatively high on? DJ Moore, I, I think, is a bit underpriced at 5,200 right now. Um, he's due for a breakout game. He's averaged nine and a half targets the past four games. Um, scoreless is past five. So I think, you know, if he's had some touchdown luck, we'd be um, considering more of a mid-range wide receiver too, which I think he is. Um, and then the, my DFS, you know, Min price flyer and potential streamer if you're in some wide receiver six team bye week emergency um, would be Russell Gage. We saw him sort of take over that Mohamed Sanu role. He played 60% of snaps, uh, put up a 7.58 line um, in uh, week eight. He's a guy that might have been a little bit overowned due, due to recency bias, but I think because of the bye, people completely forgot about him. So if you're creating a team on DraftKings, you have to spend down somewhere. And I think a week like this, taking him at 3,400 as a cheap flyer, um, he seems like a pretty good play in that range for me. That's why you're the odds maker, Sean, because yeah. I had devoted basically no brainwaves yet to Russell Gage this week. <laughs> and uh, you're right, people are going to forget about it. And, but you said, yeah, he kind of emerged there before the bye. So it's an excellent choice. Rayvon, who do you like? Chester Rogers is a guy if you want in a tournament to get uh, some leverage on the field over uh, Pascal, who I think will be a lot higher owned. Miami has just been getting absolutely torched in the slot. So uh, Rogers at 41K, I think he'll go 
pretty, you know, almost non-owned at all. And Christian Kirk, he's down at 5,200. Uh, I think, you know, he's, it's kind of the same deal that, that happened with Lockett and Metcalf, but, you know, Kirk's popping for me. I'll probably have him ranked uh, within the top 20 or, or, or right outside it. I think he's a, Kirk is going to be such player. a great, I don't know, will he be a contrarian or will he be almost more chalk, but he'll be a great, after the, the huge stink bomb last week, Kirk's going to be a great player. Right. He has a 24% target share. He leads the team. Um, so uh, that's always a good sign. And Devontae Parker, speaking of target share, you know, Preston Williams had, and him and Williams have been kind of splitting the work as the top two targets there. And now Williams, uh, you know, lost for the season. Fitzpatrick just throws it up to Parker and, you know, he might drop some, but he could approach a 25, 30% target share in this game against the Colts. Uh, it's probably him and Gusecki. So uh, like Parker this week at 48. Yeah, Parker getting a lot of air yards, so a uh, good situation for him. Uh, one guy I'm relatively high on, John Brown. Um, you know, they're playing at Cleveland. One thing that surprised me is he, this year he's had a surprisingly high yardage floor. Like for a guy for his career who's been a pretty volatile producer, this year uh, the production has really kind of evened out. And another thing, Denzel Ward, uh, since his return from hamstring injury, has not been shadowing. They've just been using him specifically on one side of the field, which means that John Brown is going to be running you know, probably most of his routes against rookie cornerback Greedy Williams, who has potential, but at this point is still a guy who's making like his – fifth NFL start. So uh, I think it's a, a good situation for John Brown. However, Sean, you disagree with me a little bit. Uh, so I want to hear your side of this. Why are you relatively low on Brown? Yeah, so I, I sort of agree with basically everything you said, but for different reasons. Um, I, I'm not low on him per se, but I think at 6K, um, you know, he, he just doesn't fit into sort of, you know, what you're trying to accomplish. And DFS, like you said, it, it's bizarre. I don't know who this guy is, but he's basically a lock for five catches and seven yards with no touchdowns, which is weird for him. So, yeah. He's like Zach Ertz now. <laughs> yeah, basically. So, he's a high floor guy. We haven't seen much ceiling. And I, I'm just afraid we're more likely to see a floor game from him than a ceiling game, if anything. There was a stretch there. I was projecting Josh Allen for over 200 yards, which is really weird. Uh, but I'm, I'm back to projecting Josh Allen. Um, sub 200 yards now I just think that we have to be careful that one of these weeks um, you know the bottom could fall out of John Brown and yes he's shown this high floor but I, I just don't see it I um, mean at 6k you know the wide receiver position this week the top guys you know any guy 7k or above is underpriced this week and there's a lot of good cheap options there's a ton of value in the 4k range so just a guy like Brown at 6k you might feel like you're locking in a floor, but there hasn't been much ceiling. It just seems like fool's gold to me this week. So I don't disagree with you. I think, you know, he's in my top 20, I think, for, for different reasons now. He's kind of like a different receiver than we're used to this year. Yeah, it's been it's been strange because his career catch rate is, is like 50% or he came in the year, it's around 50%. It's 70% with Josh Allen at quarterback. <laughs> And his average depth of target is still 14-5. So he's catching 70% of balls from Josh Allen. Like, I don't know what to think. Is he going to regress? Is he, yeah. is he about to blow up? Like, yeah, I, so he I might just know. go totally nuts. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it, no, it's, it's, it's peculiar. It's absolutely peculiar. All right, uh, Roto Pat, who are you relatively low on? I, get, I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming the consensus will be quite low on this guy, but – I mean, it's time – I'm basically holding like a fantasy funeral for Tyler Boyd, who is still top 10 in targets, even though the Bengals have already had their bye. But, you know, all the obvious reasons. We have a quarterback, kind of a game-managing quarterback, making his first career start. Uh, we have an all-pro type talent uh, making a season debut, we hope, and uh, A.J. Green. Uh, there are just weird target going on even before AJ Green came back, you know, Alex Erickson getting more involved and Auden Tate having like multiple 10 target games and 
uh, Tyler Boyd was always kind of like a high floor type player. I, I just think the floor has been kind of like cut out from underneath him and that he's, he's no longer even a wide receiver three for me, even with six teams on by. When Tyler Boyd was getting targeted regularly, I still wanted to fade him as much as I could. So yeah. now this is just like my dream scenario where I, I get to be as mean to him as possible. Yeah. In the rankings. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. I would say one, one other name I'd throw out there maybe is this. I just – I've had. I don't know if people are high on him. So I've already had a lot of questions about him for some reason. Would be, would be Josh Reynolds. I just don't know if I'm into playing Jared Goff's number three receiver, fill in number three receiver on the road against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, so that was another name. Right? I just I don't think I'm going to be buying in. I'm not a heavy DFS player to begin with, but in my the limited lineups I do make, I don't think I'll be playing Josh Reynolds. I don't think I'll be excited about Josh Reynolds. Raybon, who are you relatively low on? You know, so I mentioned being low on Stafford. So naturally, I'm lower on Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. Again, you know, they just had a couple of dream matchups back to back. Defenses that offered little to no resistance. Throws to the outside and to these guys, you know, Marvin Jones had a four touchdown game. Galladay's been beasting. But Chicago number two in the league in fewest fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. They've given up only three scores all year. And I think this is the time, you know, Galladay at seven K on DraftKings, Jones at 6.2, that, you know, there's more leverage in fading these guys. Uh, they could easily end up with some volume, but if they don't get into the end zone, you know, it's not, it's probably not going to pay off. I mean, I could see like a six for 78 game with no touchdowns or something like that for, for both of them. So uh, fading those guys this week. Yeah, uh, I hear you there. One guy I'm looking to get away from is DK Metcalf. Um, had a huge game last week, but uh, this week, you know, on the road going against a strong secondary, um, you know, I think it will just be kind of easy for people to overweight what they've seen recently. Uh, so I'll probably be staying away from him. Uh, Sean, AJ Green finally returns, presumably returns this week. Give us the wide receiver prop. Yeah, he not only returns, but he has a rookie quarterback making his debut. So those are really tough uh, projecting to get right right now. So um, right now I have him at uh, 53 and a half receiving yards. Under. Tough, tough matchup. Baltimore getting healthier at cornerback. Uh, you know, just rookie quarterback making his first start. It's just, it's just a tough spot. And, and Cincinnati does have other guys that short area guys you can, that the defense won't pay as much attention to that you can kind of dump it off to or, or, or give it to underneath. So I think it's going to be a struggle in his first game back. All right, full disclosure, uh, in my current projections, I have them for the over, but I'm looking at this, and I know I'm going to adjust it down Like as, as the week moves on, just based on, on the tough matchup. like I, I have a lot of respect right now for the Baltimore secondary, uh, given that they are now fully healthy. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the under there. I'm going to take the under, too. Not, it's not only a rookie quarterback making his debut. I mean, I'm assuming Ryan Finley and A.J. Green have zero reps ever together in practice or even minicamp. I kind of doubt Ryan Finley's ever even thrown a pass to A.J. Green. As far as yardage, I think I, I feel pretty safe taking the under on Sean's over-under. I mean, over-under, how many words has A.J. Green spoken to Ryan Finley before this week? <laughs> <laughs> Ten? That even feels high. That's a very interesting prop. Set it at 24.5, I take the under. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I doubt that they have uh, any chemistry at all. Let's go to the tight ends. Uh, the guys at the top of our rankings, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Hunter Henry, Pat. What are your thoughts on those three? Those are the three. They're the three this week. Uh, I don't think I could – I'm not going to jam Austin Hooper in there. I mean, even though Austin Hooper, I think – it's weird because Austin Hooper was already such a high floor, and in theory, Mohamed Sanu 
leaving like increases his floor even more, but I just don't know how, how much higher Austin Hooper's floor could even go. All right. Who else are you relatively high on? So bad outside the top eight or nine. The Vikings have to throw to someone. I'm gonna st- I have Kyle Rudolph as the tight end 12 right now, which makes me hate life. I'd rather bet on Kyle Rudolph than B.C. Johnson or Laquan Treadwell. The Cowboys have been like bottom 13 or 14 in terms of tight end points allowed. Leighton Van Der Esch, uncertain timeline with a neck injury. Um, I, I think the Vikings will have to throw a little bit on the road. I have Kyle Rudolph as the tight end 12 this week. You know you are you are in the double-digit weeks when you're talking about Kyle Rudolph as uh, the number 12 tight end. <laughs> I'm doing my deep dive tonight, and I could be like, wow, I really wish I had not said that on the podcast. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Another guy to where it's just like, man, I can't believe we're, we're talking about him. But this, is, this could actually could be a good thing. Uh, Mike Kosicki, you know, uh, a, a potential laden, really athletic tight end who entered the league last year, uh, disappointed in his first year, has disappointed for a chunk of his second year, but it seems like he's starting to come on. Uh, Sean, what do you see in him? You know, he's coming off uh, his career best game, six catches for 95 yards. Um, he's 3,100 this week on DraftKings. So, you know, last week it was fun having Noah Fant go off at 3K. I, I think that's, that's what you got to do at tight end. Either take one of these studs, or you spend down at 3K. You don't even mess with the, the middle tier guys. So Siki at three, uh, 3.1K. With Preston Williams out for the year, he could – I think he'll be at least the number two option going forward, but he could be the number one option um, some weeks. Um, as long as Ryan Fitzpatrick is QB, I think he has some upside. As soon as they switch, if they switch back to Josh Rosen, I think that could negatively impact him. But I, I think Gasicki and uh, Fitzmagic have some chemistry going on. So love him this week, especially uh, at the Colts, um, you know, who play more of a zone D. Uh, he's, I, I have him pegged for about eight targets. I, I think he'll be open over the middle quite a bit. So, yeah, I love him a lot. Uh, you know, he's my uh, tight end 11, which is weird to say. I never <laughs> thought he'd be inside my top 12 this year. But that, that's what happens. We have six teams on a bye as well. Yeah, well, I mean, Raybon and I both have him at tight end 12. So we're, we're pretty much yeah. right there with you. Raybon, uh, you know, you, you are high on him as well. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that like tight ends against the Colts. You know, Sean hit on it. That Matt Eberflew scheme, they're okay with giving up catches to the tight ends. Uh, they, like, they, they want to keep everything in front of them. And Gesicki, you know, not only is Preston Williams out, Kenyon Drake has been traded. Uh, those guys were getting a substantial target share you know, on the Miami Dolphins this year. Uh, Preston Williams had 60 targets. Kenyon Drake had 33. That's 93 targets, uh, you know, that are, that are gone. That's about a 35% or, or so target share that the Dolphins are missing. And, yeah, Kasiki's at number two. I mean, I, I go so far as to say you, the way lineup construction kind of breaks down, you might be able to use them in cash games. You know, it's like a tight end is the most volatile position. You want to kind of take uh, as little risk as possible sometimes. You get some studs in at other spots. So, love Kasiki. Uh, this week. All right, Pat, who are you relatively low on? I was going to say, I'm all aboard the Jusecki train, too. I'm tight end 13. He's following kind of a uh, like a standard breakout tight end trajectory. With a, lot, a lot of times they struggle as rookies, and they have the good matchup. Preston Williams gone. Uh, Mike Jusecki, let's call get him in the top eight. Let's, let's just stop beating around the bush. we got to get him in the top eight. Um, uh, it did well, Jusecki. I mean, I'm – yeah, that, yeah. That, oh man, I've been pronouncing it wrong this whole time. Okay, I I, I say Jacecki. I don't know. It's, isn't that so weird? You read a name like I've read Mike Jacecki's names name hundreds of times, and I'm still not positive. <laughs> he says he know. says it's Gusicki. How would he know how to pronounce his last name? <laughs> <laughs> Which tight end am I? Low? I'm low on every tight end, basically. You know what week this is, right? 
It's the OJ Howard flip. Oh man, I hope you saw all about it. <laughs> Sean, what are the like what are the odds? I know you do this, like what are the odds that OJ if he plays that OJ Howard is the T E one overall? Six teams are on a bye, so that helps, but you know, a lot of the studs are still um, yeah. playing this week. Uh, we only lost, I think, Ertz um, from the top ten this week. So yeah, it's gonna be microscopic, you know, two percent or less for sure for TE one overall. You know, this is a time of the year where you got you got to start fading these older guys a little bit. And you do. Jimmy Graham, listen, he just hasn't shown much. You know, Carolina seven fewest fantasy points allowed uh, to tight ends since week one. They've only given up uh, one game with uh, more than three catches, and it was George Kittle. Uh, Tyra Higby caught four on them in week one, but he, he got 20 yards and a touchdown, so he still kind of limited his yardage. I just don't really see it as a, a smash spot, especially with Adams back and Lazard, Valdez, Scantling. I mean, they have so many receivers that they could work in in addition to the backs that Graham essentially, anytime he's on the field, is probably the lowest priority, like the last guy Aaron Rodgers is looking at in the progression. Jimmy Graham and Aaron Rodgers have zero chemistry. It makes Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers look like Bonnie and Clyde or something. He hates one, of my, he hates one of my favorite things this year is – Watching Aaron Rodgers' reaction after an incompletion of Graham. I mentioned this a few weeks ago when Graham dropped that touchdown. Aaron Rodgers was like, that was bad. That was bad. It's sort of like the if you ever watch The Office, Jim Halpert, when he looks at the camera. But Graham was open for a deep touchdown, and he threw a little bit over him. And, you know, Graham couldn't catch up. And then just seeing Aaron Rodgers look at the camera like <laughs> – I love how you phrased so it's it. So, it's something you just have to go back and watch. Just watch incompletions. Just his reactions. Like, just I love how you phrased it too. Like he, Jimmy Graham was open. Like he didn't get open. He just happened to be open because the defense probably gives no fucks about covering. <laughs> One of the most hilarious things to kind of look out for going forward. The Rogers Graham relationship is like a rom com where you can just tell that the the leading actor and actress hate each other and they have to tolerate each other for 90 minutes of a movie. That's what it's like watching them play together. My favorite Graham Rogers target, I believe it was against the Raiders. It was maybe against the Lions, where again, he happened to be open and Aaron Rodgers threw the ball and it just hit him in the back. He was like <laughs> wide open on the sideline, like no one around him. The ball has hit him in the back. Jimmy Graham's like playing Madden when, when, when like you have two controllers and somebody gets a, walks away and he's like, you're just throwing to an idle controller. Like that's yes. Jimmy Graham. Sean, hit us with the tight end prof. Uh, the tight end prop this week is who will have more DK points, Mark Andrews or Hayden Hurst and Nick Boyle combined? That's a good one. Uh, Mark Andrews. Yeah, I, I like the spot for Mark Andrews. I think the Patriots, you know, that was going to be a tough matchup for, for – they were going to pay attention to him. But, Friedman, you've talked about this. Like, the Bengals just have no linebackers. They really have nobody on defense that can cover anybody. So, Mark Andrews will get open, unlike Jimmy Graham. He will get open this week, and I expect uh, – I actually have him at number five, so I'm expecting a big week. I think I'm going to go with the other side of the prop. They're, they're getting the three-headed monster revved back up at tight end, and they seem like primed to like feed us a lot of sadness down the stretch. <laughs> so I think Hurst yeah, and they, Boyle are going to outpoint Mark Andrews this week. Uh, Andrews played 34% of the snaps, which is below Hurst, and Boyle played 84 um, uh, He's typically going to block, but, yeah, it's just one of those things where uh, you don't want to see that if you're an Andrews owner. But I agree. I think talent-wise, he's still – you know, top five, but it's just something to look for. All right, let's uh, close this out by hitting the uh, Twitter fantasy questions. Pat, starting with you, this is from TD Marcus. Is Mike Evans a Hall of Famer? I think he should be, but then he won't be because the log jams is going to get even bigger. And I think it'll be held against him that he was on bad teams with mostly bad quarterbacks, even though that should be a point in his favor. I think he won't be thought of as like a winning player, quote unquote. Uh, Sean, this is from Cap Calculator. Is anyone on the Dolphins startable following the Preston Williams injury news? 
Yeah, I think Devontae Parker, uh, he could be a wide receiver three potential going forward. But, you know, with him, anytime we buy back in on him, he usually falls off the face of the earth. But I think right now uh, he's a wide receiver three this week. Um, and then Mike Gusecki, who we talked about earlier, he gets a bit of a boost. And need a tight end this week. Uh, he's a streamable tight end. Chris, this is from James Thompson. Uh, what do fantasy football owners do with players like Tarek Cohen and Larry Fitzgerald? Are they droppable? It really depends on your league size. So I think Fitzgerald and Fitzgerald's going to be around, you know, out, just outside the top 30 wide receivers. I have him 32 this week. Might move him up based on the matchup. Cohen, same thing. He's usually going to be in that running back 30 to 36 range. So that's a valuable, like, flex to have on your bench in a, in a 12-teamer. But if you're talking like a 10 or an 8-teamer, then there probably is somebody that you might need a little bit more. So it really just depends. All right, Pat, thanks for being on the show. What content should people check out at Roto World? Well, you know, I was saying they should check out my rankings, but we got the odds maker and we got Chris here. So uh, John Daigle does waiver wired. Everyone's a waiver wired column. I think John Daigle has really been rocking our waiver wired column. And Hayden Winks' fantasy forecast too has been a great new addition. So uh, we know we lost some big names, but we are making up for it with some uh, new emerging big names. So a lot of great stuff over Roto World still. All right, everyone, be sure to follow Patrick on Twitter at Rotopat. You can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore oddsmaker, Chris Raybon, and Matt at the Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. That's going to do it for this episode of the Action Network podcast. Check out the rest of our episodes and live shows this week. Please subscribe to and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you again next episode.